Good evening, everybody. Well, I'm going to um, talk about the beautiful hymn, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. But before we get started, let me pray. Lord, Just I just ask that you will bless the message as I speak it and as we receive it. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm not going to read it, and it's probably not very well known, but we'll get to it as we go along. I think it's going to go up, though, for just a minute. This hauntingly beautiful hymn was written over 300 years ago by the English clergyman and writer of thousands of hymns, about 6,500 hymns, Charles Wesley. Written for the Advent season, this season that we're now in, and that anticipates the coming of Jesus, Wesley wrote it amidst the great poverty of an overcrowded city, London, full of orphans, homelessness and an indifference by the rich to the poor. Come Thou Long Expected Jesus acknowledges the waiting and the longing of these people, but also speaks to the dawning hope and the promise fulfilled in Jesus. I hope you'll see that this is poetry and theology in one. It's actually the gospel here, right throughout. So we're going to stay mostly in the, in the hymn. I keep wanting to say poem because it is poem too. Because Wesley's embedded the scriptures all the way through. Come thou long expected Jesus, says the first stanza. Born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Our historical context is an 18th century world where many are enslaved by poverty, a world of fear of others, fear of what the day will bring, fear of what the next day will bring, fear of what those who enslave them might have them do, fear that it will never change, fear that this is their past, their present and their future, fear that they will never find nor taste real freedom or rest. Time is an important element in this hymn. The promise of the Messiah is ancient and holy, a promise made by Yahweh to his chosen people, Israel. And yet Wesley has his precious poor in mind as he writes. And we also identify with these people whose freedom is denied, who live with the burdens of their fears and their sins, whose angst is palpable because that's what we've been experiencing too, isn't it? As we move out of the demands of two years of COVID-driven restrictions, we identify with a people who long for freedom and relationship, for release and rest from the pressure and the anxiety and the unknown. But this longing, this desire, this deep need for real freedom isn't just COVID-related. We're enslaved in other ways. Our 21st century world is relentless in pace and expectation. The pressure to perform, to stand out, to be going somewhere, to do rather than to be, all this enslaves us in deep and unnatural ways. But it's strange, isn't it? Because many of us here know the hope has come. Jesus' birth, death and resurrection are fact for us. We are post-promise. We can enjoy his kingdom now in a way that exiled Israel could not. They were waiting. For each of us who call Jesus saviour, 
He's made a way for us to know the Father. But it's not that simple, is it? We're still broken and human, and we so easily forget. And so for some of us here tonight, we've never really known that there is a different way. And so we wallow. We wallow in our darker moments in the same fears as Israel and the poverty-stricken Londoners. Fear our lives will never be any different. Fear that this is my past, my present and my future. Fear that I will never find nor taste real freedom or rest. And I think at this time of year, as Christmas approaches, we take a breath in and we let it out. And we take another in and we let it out. And another in. And in that moment, before letting that breath out, we notice a deep longing in the recesses of our being and we wonder and we ponder for just a second, what if? What if it could be different? And so in this 21st century, we join with those before us who waited for the promise incarnate and we wait with those after who also longed for and yearned for complete freedom promised by the one. Together, the earth cries out for a saviour. Come, thou long-expected Jesus, we call through the angels, through the angels. In the second stanza, there's a shift, a positive one. We're told, we're told, Jesus is Israel's strength and consolation. He's the hope of all the earth, the dear desire of every nation and the joy of every longing heart. The word consolation is important. Do you know its opposite? Desolation. One positive, the other negative. Consolation and desolation. When we experience desolation, those hard times can paralyse us. Consolation enables us to be hopeful and to look forward. Consolation doesn't remove the pain, but does bring us comfort, hope and the ability to move. Look at the stanza again. Jesus is Israel's consolation. Jesus is our consolation. Jesus gives us strength, hope and joy, bringing us comfort and energy in the face of our desolations, those sins and fears with which we live. The longing is still there. The Israelites knew all about longing and waiting. They were slaves in Egypt for 400 years and then for another 500 years they lived under the tyranny of not very good kings most of the time. And then 70 years in captivity at the hands of the Babylonians. And after all that, they waited another 490 years for the birth of the Messiah. You could say they know a bit about waiting. But in the desolation, they look to the consolation and find hope. Do you remember old Simeon in Luke's Gospel? God promises him he won't die until he sees the Messiah. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, we're told. And the Holy Spirit leads Simeon to baby Jesus in the temple where his, his parents have brought him up from Nazareth. And he holds Jesus, holds him in his arms and blesses him, knowing he has actually held that hope in human form. Imagine that for a moment holding the hope of all the earth, 
holding the dear desire of every nation, the joy of every longing heart. Not just holding him, but knowing he is the one. Have you ever waited for something for so long it feels like it will never happen? The idea of it, the longing for it, the imagining of it, fills so much of your heart and mind that waiting and longing completely shapes your life. Waiting through our hardships, our heartaches, our mishaps, our misunderstandings, our frustrations, disobedience, our being enslaved to something, exiled from people, in angst with lament, longing and imagining. That all shapes our lives. Then, joy to those who long to see thee. Dayspring from on high appear. Come thou promised rod of Jesse. Of thy birth we long to hear. Imagining the dayspring or dawn, the first light, the promised rod of Jesse, the one who would change everything. Could it be? Could this long-held covenantal promise the one who reels, brings real rest be a reality? Is there really a way to fix this longing, to find rest, to be free? The idea of it happening is unreal, surreal. Could it be? Would there ever be one, a good king, a fair king, a, a loving king, a king who rules forever, a messianic king who will not let us down? Over the hills, the angels singing, News glad tidings of a birth. Go to him your praises bringing. Christ the Lord has come to earth. After all the waiting that has shaped my, your, our lives, there's a change. There's singing. There's celebration. Celestial celebration over there, over the hills. Because the angels are calling to us. A baby has been born. Christ the Lord has come to earth. Go and praise him, they say. Glory to God in the highest. He's arrived. A fact, a verifiable historical fact. Jesus is born. There is a way. An old Simeon, he's the metaphor for Israel. After many years of waiting, longing, desiring, imagining, he glimpses the baby Jesus. And through the conviction of the Holy Spirit, he has eyes to see and a heart to understand. And he welcomes the consolation, the promise of humanity in flesh. Christ the Lord has come to earth. And us? Well, Simeon's a metaphor for us too. We can hear this news and move on. Nothing changes. But we can also be convicted that it's truth and that changes everything. Like Simeon, we can experience the power of meeting Jesus. Come to earth to taste our sadness. He whose glories knew no end. By his life he brings us gladness. Our redeemer, shepherd, friend. Come to earth to taste our sadness. Let that sink in. To taste our sadness. The king has not come to rule over us as most kings rule. His kingship is marked for a different purpose. He has come to restore, not lands, nor cattle, nor position, but hearts. He has come to release us from our fears and sins and restore us to the Father, 
to make whole what was broken by Adam and Eve and the serpent way back in the Garden of Eden. By his perfect life, he will make us good again. The promise is better, more than we could imagine. He's my redeemer. He'll take my sin and fear on my behalf at his cost and restore me to God. He's my shepherd. He'll lead me, know me, protect me. He's my friend. He's for me. There's trust and affection between us. It's personal, intimate, so different to other promise makers. He's here to change my life. Did you get that? To be in my life as redeemer, as my friend, as my shepherd. And through this relationship, to taste and take my sorrows, to bring me gladness and joy. That's a holy exchange. Too good to be true. So many hopes before that eventually are letdowns. Is that how it is for you? But this hope... This promise is all-powerful. Leaving riches without number, born within a cattle stall, this the everlasting wonder, Christ was born, Lord of all. This promise is all-powerful. He's God. Come to earth in human form, and this idea of coming down from heaven is even more remarkable or outrageous. He's born of a lowly virgin in a cattle stall. How will he make a difference? Be any different to other solutions? But he's born with a celestial celebration and a sovereignty that knows no limits. Christ was born Lord of all. Born thy people to deliver. Born a child and yet a king. Born to reign in us forever. Now thy gracious kingdom brings. Expectation cries out. The repetition of born reminds us that there are huge expectations upon this child. He's born to deliver us, to deliver us from our sins by taking our place and dying for us because he is pure yet sovereign, child yet king. He overcomes death and rises again, born to reign in us forever through his spirit. And in time there will be more. He'll bring his kingdom. But for now, we get to live the kingdom life on earth so we can enjoy his consolation now. We need to remember that and live with him as our king. By thine own eternal spirit, rule in all our hearts alone. By thine all-sufficient merit, raise us to to thy glorious throne. And it gets better, because when he lives in and rules in our hearts, there's no effort of our own but his alone, by his grace, ultimately we'll be raised up with him when he comes again to finish the work he began so long ago. God is outrageously generous, kind, abundant. And so we get a relationship that's forever, raised to be with him forever. No more death and sin, but eternal life with the one. If you're someone who's been let down in the past by the promise of a new life, maybe by a person or by a job or by a family or by an imagined future that you plotted out, If that's let you down and this Christmas you're thinking it would be hard to do another year of longing and waiting, can I remind you that Jesus keeps his promise? He turns up. The world waited a long time but he showed up and he's still here. He was destined for this, for you, to be your consolation to your desolations. 
He is a king with godly guarantees not to disappoint. And the good news? There's not some hoop you have to jump through. You just need to say yes to him. Acknowledge your sin and brokenness and be thankful that he died carrying your sins to make a way back for you to him and back to our Heavenly Father. So as we listen to this beautiful hymn now, full of the good news of Jesus, I invite you to walk with your heart through the words and let Jesus speak with you. And if you'd like prayer as we listen, just raise your hand just a little bit and someone will come and stand quietly with you, beside you, in prayer.